so this week, uh, it's the second of a, a two-week mini-sermon series on the way we grow as a church. And, um, and the reason why we're doing this is just to, to kind of pull everyone together on the same page. Um, one of the most beautiful descriptions of the church uh, is in Acts, where it says that these people who were gathering together who believed in the name of Jesus, it says they were of one heart and mind, which means the way they thought and the way they felt and the way they acted was, was together, uh, which is important. Um, so I'm going to pray for us, and then, um, and then we'll dive in together. Oh God, God, there's so many, so many different minds here that can think so many different things, and I, I ask that today you'll just kind of unite us together, that we can have a common vision of, of who you are and where we're going together, called by you, that we can get that sense that, that we're not alone just trying to figure this out, but, but the promise that the Holy Spirit leads us is a promise for us. I pray that you'll just make us very sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, that even as we, we go from this place, We'll be people who speak together in words of encouragement, uh, words that sound a lot like the words of Jesus uh, because they're inspired by the same Spirit that led Him. God, we want, we want nothing more than You because we know when we have You, we love one another even better. <laughs> we love the world better. So God, just focus us this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before we dive into to the how of, of living together, I wanted to remind us really briefly um, what it means to be a church. Because I know that, that sometimes uh, that gets blurried with so many different expressions, all that, that have the label church. Um, and so just simply, uh, if you want to turn with me, uh, we're going to be just for a short amount of time in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, and so, so this will launch us into then how we live this out. 1 Peter 2, starting in chapter 4, it says this, As you come to him, Jesus, the living stone, Rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a priesthood, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so, what this says is that, that who Jesus is, it gives a, a, like a metaphor for Him, which is He's like this, this cornerstone. At, that everything else, if you built a house, everything else is built upon him. But, but he's not the only stone. That you also, each are stones getting built upon him into a holy priesthood. Which uh, we're going to read again, and it refers to us again as holy priests later uh, in this chapter. But what's, what's so cool about this is that if you think about priests in the Old Testament, um, the expectation 
of their position was that people would come to them so that they could communicate with God. And oftentimes we, we kind of um, assume that position upon pastors in the church as if you guys just come on a Sunday morning so, so this is the one time that you can hear about God through someone who sits in the position of priest. But, but that's not at all the case. That's not what the church is. The church, it says, is a holy priesthood, which means that, that all of you guys are priests of the living God, which means as you like, leave here and have lunch with one another, you guys can minister to one another. You can, you can speak to one another on God's behalf because he's given his spirit to live in you. Um, that's what it means to be a part of the church. Right, so this is, just, this is just a time that can focus you, encourage you, um, help breathe life right into your weary frames. That as you go out, you can be prepared to really be priests to one another, to go to God on one another's behalf, to encourage one another. Further down in chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen people, right, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So this is what it means to be a church, right? What it means to be a church isn't that that you have a cool building or anything. What it means to be a church is that, that you each know that you've been chosen by God, that he's called you by name, that he loves you, and he is. And speaking your name, you've responded to him and his offer of adoption and become his child. And in becoming his child, you become a royal priest, a holy nation of people belonging to him. So that, that is the essence of what it means to be a church. A holy people, a people called out, a people who are God's people. So how do we do that? How do we be those people together? And that's, that's what we're going to do today. Um, the way I thought through this was, um, it kind of took me back to my college days. I desired to do something or be something. So, you know, when you're in college, the first thing you're asked is, well, what's your major? Everyone wants to know that. Who do you want to be? And so you choose. And then, once you've made that choice... You look up in a course catalog different, different classes you can take. And chances are, uh, you read those classes, and a lot of them you're like, oh, that sounds really interesting. Well, I was a liberal arts major, so a lot of them did sound interesting. And, and so you're like, oh, that's really interesting. And, then, and so you, you pick a class, and, and then you go to the class... And then what the, 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 the teacher does on the first day of class is, is they, they whip out the course syllabus, right? So, so to follow this metaphor, it's as if we've come and we go, okay, I'm really interested in being a church together. And so, so we're going to teach her Jesus, and we're going to go, so what does that even mean? Like, like if we've bought in and said Jesus is Savior, and I want to follow him. I just want to do what he says. What does he say for us to do? And so if you go to a class, say, because you're kind of excited about this class, and they whip out the syllabus, and the first day, the first day of class, usually the whole day is spent just reading through the syllabus, which 
is usually painful. <laughs> You're like, first, I'm paying for this, and I can read. <laughs> so why don't you just let me read it and go, and why don't we just start digging in? But the reason that they do this is, is for three reasons. One is because the teacher knows you probably won't read it. Right? And the teacher also knows that even if you do read it, or even if you listen to them, you're going to have a lot of excuses why you haven't turned things in on time. Right? And also, the teacher wants to know that if you don't do something, it's just your obstinance that has kept you from doing it. You've, you've either, right, just gone like, oh, it's too hard and I'm not going to do it, or you've just decided, hey, I'm just not going to do that. But what he's doing is he's kind of taking away your excuses, right? For me, it was procrastination. It always is procrastination that I don't, I don't do things on time. And the reason is, and that's actually important in what we're going into, because the reason is, I find everything else more interesting along the way. <laughs> like, when you procrastinate, it's because everything is important. You're like, oh, I just really badly need to clean my room today. Like, <laughs> like three hours later, you're like, oh, man, I know. I just usually don't do dishes, but today's a dishes day. <laughs> and, and so what we're going to get into today is, is, has Jesus made it clear? Has Jesus laid out the syllabus for us? And, and what's keeping us from actually doing what he's called us to do? Because I think, honestly, in the church... Um, we get confused or distracted by so many other things that, that we think are just exceptional and good for that moment. Like the person who's procrastinating going like, oh, this is also really good, so I'm going to do this. So we're going to focus in on the last words of Jesus in Matthew 25, which is called the Great Commission. And, and we came to this together as, as elders um, Asking ourselves, if we were just going to look at the Bible and say, what if we do these things, we'll know that, that we are, are following Jesus. <laughs> not just our best idea, not just like what we came up with, but with conviction, if we do these things, we can say, I believe we're being faithful to what he intended us to be as a church. Um, and so we turn to the Great Commission, which is, is Jesus' last words to his disciples before he's taken up in Matthew 28. And it gives this setting, and then it gets into his words. And it says this, Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So what does it mean for us to be a church that, that walks this out? Um, there's seven things that we wrote down um, as elders that, that if, we, if we do these things, I think we can say, like, I think we're moving in the direction that Jesus is leading us in. And so uh, we've written them down, and these will be the practices of our church, and, and we're not ever 
going to be perfect in these things. But these are things that we've set before us to say together as a church, can we keep moving in this direction? Um, We have our statement of faith, which says this is what we believe and we hold to, but then these are the things that that we want to be practicing consistently in the life of our church. Um, So we're going to go through them one at a time. The first is this, that we want to be a people that worship Providing a place for all people to meet Jesus. We commit to be a community for all people to meet with Jesus, both those who love him and those who feel far away from him. You might say, well, where do you get this in the Great Commission? There's two places in the Great Commission that we get this. In verse 17 it says, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So you have, right here, you have 11 of Jesus' disciples who have come to see him off. <laughs> and and some, it doesn't even give a, a breakdown <laughs> of how many worshipped and how many doubted. But it says some of them worshipped him and some of them doubted. And so we want to be a, peop, a, a place for all people to meet with Jesus. Both those people who come loving him, ready to worship Jesus because they see him, and they're, they're just ready to affirm that he is Savior, he is Son of God. But we also want to be a place for people to meet Jesus who are doubting. People who feel far away from God, people who feel like Jesus would never meet with them, we want to provide a place for them to come and meet with Jesus. Later on, it also says to make disciples of all nations. All people groups. And you get this this sense in Jesus' words that are recorded in Acts 1, where it says, Go Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Just keep pushing forward with this message to all people, to all places. What does it look like to be a church that practices this together? Well, to be a place where people meet Jesus... Is, is what I would consider an, an Easter church. Because, and what I mean by this is on Easter Sunday, everyone comes and there's this like expectation. Like, Jesus is alive. <laughs> right? It's not like he just rose that morning, right? He's been alive. But you come and you are excited on Easter. There's something about you, something in your heart. It's like the sun came out that day. <laughs> because, because you're just ready to meet with him. So, so that's part of what it means, is being a people who come expectant to meet with Jesus. But that all people part is no matter where people have come from, no matter where they're going, that, that this will be a space for them to hear about Jesus and meet with him, that no one will be turned away. Um, this, is, this is hard to do together. Um, partly is because we come from a lot of places and we're going a lot of places. Um, this is hard to do together because we speak in different ways and we sing in different ways. We have different preferences. So how do we do this? How do we provide a place for all people to meet with Jesus? And the, the only way to do that, the only way to do that is to be a people who are passionately about Jesus. Because I, I can, even when I talk about Jesus, I can talk about him in a way that where some people go, yeah, I get that. And other people would want it said another way. They want to hear it another way. We could do music in a way where somebody goes, this is my jam. Right? Another person goes, 
Yeah, I prefer a little more jazzy music. Whatever, you know, whatever it is. There's so many preferences, but what does it look like to be a people who just center around Jesus and, and whoever comes can meet with him here? That's what we want to be. The second thing we want to be as a church is a church that practices Jesus' ministry. Help people live in the freedom of Jesus. We commit to help all people discover the freedom and overcoming life that is the birthright of every believer in Jesus. Where do we get this from, the Great Commission? In verse 18, Jesus says, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The ministry of Jesus that he set himself to do on the earth was, it says, to free captives. For people who had been held in captivity to sin for such a long time, whatever that had done in their life, whether that had destroyed their sense of identity, or people who had been confused, people who had been burdened by, by sickness, both whether that's emotional or psychological or physical sickness, Jesus came to free people. And we want to be a church where people come to know the freedom of Jesus. If we come as a people of God and we're content with people being in bondage for a long time, we're not a people who are living, carrying out the ministry of Jesus. We want to see people understand their identity in Jesus. We want to be a people who recognize the authority we have in Jesus and who grow in maturity in Jesus. What these three things mean is if we understand our identity in Jesus, it means when we come to him that there is no power in heaven, on earth, anywhere in between that can take us away from the security of his love? Do you get that? <laughs> like, like, that's the freedom in Jesus. When you come to him, no one can take you out of his hand. Right? If, to be a people who recognize our authority in Jesus, right, as priests of God, which means this, that that if someone comes to you and they're struggling with something, we talked about this in Steel Cut Men yesterday, that, that if we recognize that, that our prayers can help restore people, that means if someone comes to me and they're, they're struggling with something that they've just been held captive to for a long time, that we can pray for their restoration and healing. And this is, this is the beautiful power that is ours in Jesus because... Jesus has all authority on heaven and on earth, right? All authority has been given to him. There's no authority that compares to his authority and power. And we want to live in that as a church. What does that look like for us as a church? Uh, one thing that's looked like for us over time has been, uh, we, we do a class that's called Living Free in, in Christ, and, and that we're going to start um, next month again. It goes beyond the class, though. That, that's been a beautiful time where where so many who have gone through that all of a sudden start realizing that I don't have to live constantly in bondage to the things that I, I was identified with before I came to Jesus. But I can fully let those things go. I can be free. And, and that's not always something we know we have as Christians. 
And so we want to we help people just live absolutely in the freedom that is theirs in Jesus. We also want to be people who are, are praying for one another. That can be both on a, um, on a corporate level. We pray for one another. But what does it look like to be a, a church who, who you know you don't just need to come to one of the pastors to pray, but, but literally we're growing as a church, so you, you can sit with somebody and turn to them and be like, I had a really hard week. Like, I had these things going on. Can you pray for me? And what does it look like to be that priesthood of all believers where, where the person next to you go, yeah, let me just restore you. Like, like, let me just pray for you. Let me pray over you. Like, and, and when you experience the freedom of Jesus, and then you know you can pass it on to other people, and you don't have to just bring them to one of the pastors to do that, that is a beautiful, powerful church living in the authority of Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to be. The third thing is missions, going to the places and people who feel the farthest away from God. Going to the places and people who feel the farthest away from God. We commit to step away from what is comfortable and go to the places and people who think God would never meet with them. The primary expression of this mission is the coffee oasis and extends to all other people and places the Holy Spirit leads us. The thing that oftentimes keeps us away from this is we see in Matthew 28 where where Jesus says, because all authority has been given to you, therefore go. Be a people who aren't staying in one place. Be people who are going. This right here, this word is, is what keeps us from being a going people. The word comfort because comfort can be beautiful, but also can keep us very still and in one place and eventually being people who aren't fulfilling right, the first thing we talked about, which is being a place for all people to meet with Jesus. The moment we stop going is the moment we just try to become like one another. And anyone who comes in that isn't like us, we're rejecting them. Maybe it isn't because we're saying, hey, this isn't a place for you, but they come and they just feel like it isn't a place for them. So we want to be a people, not only where when people come, they know it's a place for them, but that we are going to the people who feel the farthest away from God. And we want to be a church that recognizes there are literally, on the Kitsap Peninsula, hundreds of thousands of people who feel like God would just never meet with them. Maybe because they just don't believe God exists, or they've tried it before and didn't feel like, like they, they became vulnerable for a moment, and said, God, are you real? Maybe they came to a church and were like, okay, this, I've heard this is a place to meet with God. But they just felt like it wasn't, wasn't their place, a place for them. So we want to not just provide a place for them here, but we want to go to the, the, the people and places that feel farthest away from God. The mission of the Coffee Oasis is the primary expression of us as the Refuge Church uh, it has been. This isn't something new. This has been for the last 18 years. <laughs> Before there was a refuge church, the Coffee Oasis has been rooted deep in these, this community, right? Bremerton and now beyond in Kitsap County. Um, and, and as a refuge church, we constantly want to be inviting you guys to be a part of that, right? On a daily basis, <laughs> Right, literally, a daily basis, you have the opportunity to be a part of what's going on 
man, in the, in, the, uh, in the lives of people who maybe feel the farthest away from God simply by volunteering at the Coffee Oasis. And, and we want to see the Coffee Oasis grow and flourish because people who are finding freedom in Jesus, breaking out of their comfort zone, and going to people who maybe just feel like they're too far away. And we want, to commit, we want to be about that constantly as a church. The fourth thing is discipleship. Inviting people to join us in following Jesus. We commit to learn from the life of Jesus and invite others to learn with us. The word disciple it simply is the, the word learner. And I love that. The reason why that is so good is because as we talk about these things, right, as we read the syllabus, that if you do these things, like we're going to hold true to what Jesus is calling us to be. The reason why I love that it's a learner is because as we go about this together, there are going to be times when you doubt me, who has had the privilege of sharing this information with you, because you're going to be like, Daniel, I thought that this would be a place for all people, and like I invited my buddy, and he thought this was horrible. <laughs> That's possible. <laughs> I don't know. Like, simply because this is what we say, what we want to do, it will take us holding each other accountable to that, and know that we are learning to do this. Because we are saying this does not mean we're perfect at it. Far from it. But I think, again, yesterday, steel-cut men, right? We gathered together as men, and we, sh- we were sharing some, some very deep personal things together. But there's that moment of vulnerability where, where honestly, people are looking up, and they're like, hey, but I've said this before. I've shared this before. But no one followed up with me. Right? And there's that place of vulnerability where you go, I've tried it. Right? And, and I know you said that you want to be people that walk together, but I, I wanted to walk with somebody, and no one, no one came alongside me to walk with me. Guys, we aren't going to be perfect at this, but what does it look like to commit to moving in this direction together that we become better and better and better at it? Because if you expect us to be perfect, you're going to be disappointed, and you're going to leave, and you're going to think this is another failure at church. But church isn't a place of perfection. Church is a place we've come to love Jesus and go, man, we want him more than anything. And we're going we're gonna to be willing to learn and, and, and walk like him. So we're going to learn from the life of Jesus. We're going we're gonna to read the scripture together. And we're going we're gonna to try, by the grace of God, to live that out together. And you're going to need to be gracious with me as I learn to be gracious with you. How do we do this together? There's, there's a number of ways. Um, when you spend time with one another, you become more like one another. Um, so one of the ways we do this is each personally committing to follow Jesus. If someone spent time with you, what would they become more like? If somebody spent time with you, what would they become more like? Would they become more like Jesus? So that's how we do it as individuals, and how we do this as a church is we provide opportunities then for people to walk together. A good example of this is community group, which is not, you can go to community group and be like, I'm expecting to find just like, 
utopia. Like, you won't. <laughs> but, but what you're going to find is the people who are learning to, to talk about Jesus with one another. Right? You're going you're gonna to find people who sometimes are grumpy because they had a hard day. And we're going to learn how to be gracious with one another. But if we commit to one another to do that, there's opportunities to apprentice at community group. If, if you go, man, I, I feel like I'm just filled up. I just love reading the Bible, and I want to start communicating that. There's, there's ways to learn to lead, right? Whether that's in community groups, whether that's doing music or working with home team, attaching yourself to something that is going on and learning to walk in that pattern, getting rubbed off on purposefully, right? If you're like, man, I, I want to preach, <laughs> then that's expressing that to me. I, don't, I can't just look at and be like, oh, yeah, you're a preacher, right? Like, like you need to come up and go, like, some, God's doing a work in me, and I, I want to talk about him. And then, and then meeting together, letting, letting me rub off on you and you rub off on me as we walk towards Jesus together. We also have, um, actually, I'm going to save that for later. So the, the next thing, the fifth thing is this, baptism in the Lord's Supper. So going and making disciples of all nations, and what we're doing is we're baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the reason why we add this, this celebrating and affirming those who believe is because when we're called to do this, right? But when someone commits to follow Jesus, we want to welcome them into the family of God and celebrate them in that baptism and invite them to share in the Lord's Supper with us. What's so good about this is, is baptism, one of the early church fathers said baptism, it's the outward expression of inward grace. And so, so what might be going on in you, say you come and and you're like, man, for the last couple of weeks I've just been hearing about Jesus and I see the man he is. And I see that he's not just a man, but he is God who's come to save me and to welcome me into his family. And you decide to follow Jesus, we want to party with you. <laughs> because I can't always see what's going on in you. Right? I could be like... like like, you just seem really excited. Like, you seem like you're really buying in. And then it happens that way sometimes. Where all of a sudden, someone realizes, like, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus. I didn't even realize it. But, like, like because I just love him. And I just, all my life, I just want to surrender everything I've known. And I just, I just want to follow him completely. Um, we want to baptize you. Which just shows that you've been buried with Christ, raised to life with him. So everyone can celebrate and see what's going on in your life. And then we want to invite you to take the Lord's Supper, which is communion every Sunday, which we take. And the reason why we added this one to the Great Commission is because Jesus says, whenever you get together, do this in remembrance of me. And we want to constantly be affirming these things that Jesus gave us um, to vividly see who he was and who he's making us to be. The sixth thing is this. Teaching, teaching all people to understand and obey the teachings of Jesus. We commit to be a community of people passionately, who passionately study the Bible, speak about the Bible, and encourage one another to obey the Bible. Um, this is one of my favorite ones, because there are a few times that I've enjoyed being with the church as much as times where I've, I've seen people passionately study the Bible and passionately talk about the Bible to one another. 
who passionately studied the Bible, passionately talk about the Bible, and then obey it together. In Colossians 3, verse 16... The Apostle Paul writes, he says, Let the, the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. This is how we, we thrive as a church, is if we're not just people who are um, just throwing out things we've heard over the years, but that the word of Christ is dwelling us richly, that, that each of you are, are passionately, like, opening your Bible, studying it. And when you gather together, speaking it with one another, and let me share what this looks like. Oftentimes what this can look like is you gather for a Bible study or community group, and you, you have your teaching time, which you, you kind of sit together and there can be kind of like a conversation going on, give and take. Maybe it's hard. It can be awkward. And then, and then you have cupcake time, right? We're like, it's like break. We're done talking about the Bible. Now we're going to eat cupcakes. Or whatever it is, right? And you move to what's next. And you're like, woo! Like, hey, how you doing, brother? Right? And you're like, you're so excited just to talk with one another. But so what, what causes this distinction? Where it's like you sit down to talk about the Bible, and it's like, okay, I see where you're going. Right? Or someone asks a question, you're like, yeah, that's good. That's deep. Right? And there, there, isn't, there isn't this give and take. There isn't an interaction. There's no passion. There's no excitement. <laughs> this is the word of God. But then you move into cupcake time or whatever it is, and you're, and you're like, <laughs> talking about whatever. Aren't those cheese sticks amazing? Can I get your recipe sometime? Right? <laughs> like, what causes that, that distinction? The, the asleep nature of what one time can look like and the alive, awake nature of the other time. We will be a healthy church if the time when we open the word of God together is our best time. Right? Where we're learning to speak together. It says in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That, that maybe if you don't get it, you're like, hey, can you ask that question a different way? Because, like, I'm in. You said Jesus. I'm in. Like, I just want to talk with you about Jesus. Because I don't know always how to talk about Jesus, but I want to learn how to talk about Jesus with you guys. Are you with me? You can just shake your heads even if you're not. That would just make me feel better. Okay. <laughs> like, if, if this is our best time, is the time where we get to learn about who God is. And we provide this in a variety of ways. One is, is we have and we are committing to doing classes together where there is teaching, where you who believe in the name of Jesus can grow deep together in the truth. And you can learn how to, how to grow in maturity. We also provide these times right on Sunday mornings where you guys get to come and, and hear the Word of God preached. Community group is another way where community group can be either beautiful and com- or completely boring. Right? 
you've all been part of a boring Bible study, right? Where you're there and you're like, okay, I'm doing it. Like, I feel better because I did it, but I wasn't invigorated by it, right? What makes community group beautiful is if you come and you're like, I just want to be in this together, right? If you come ready, if you come eager, it can be beautiful. If you come going like, okay, impress me, like ask me a good question, it's going to be horrible. So guys, what we want to be is a, a people that teaching all people to understand and obey the word of God, that we are teaching one another. We're learning to submit to the teaching of the word of God together. And that will be a beautiful church. Amen? Amen. Man, I just, just want to keep talking about that. Um, the last one is this, spiritual disciplines. Experiencing the presence of God. We commit to grow in our relationship with God by living in the reality of his very present presence. Matthew 28, the Great Commission um, is sandwiched by, by what Jesus is doing. What I mean by this is it starts with all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And then it ends with him saying, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, this isn't the Great Commission I heard growing up, right? Or at least the one I remember growing up. The, The Great Commission I remember growing up was go into all nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do everything that I've instructed you to do. And so it was all on you, right? Like, Great Commission, go do it. But, but I honestly, when I just remember a, a lot of times when I heard it, I didn't hear it starting with the authority of Jesus. Jesus going, like, don't worry, I have all power and authority. And it ending with Jesus going like, hey, I'm there. Like, I'm along there with you. I just heard you go, do, disciples, make, nations, teach, right? And I was like, oh, <laughs> And, and, but it starts with you going, no, remember, like, Jesus is powerful, and he's, he's yours, right? All authority he's given to you, right? And then it ending with his presence is with you constantly. And this is the goodness of the commission. What we want to do is we want to experience the presence of God as a church. What does that look like for us to experience the presence of God as a church? One thing it means is for us not to be satisfied with just going about these practices. Us not to be satisfied with just going about the practices. There has to be times, maybe at community group, where, where you stop and you go, hey, the joy isn't there for me anymore. Like, I remember when this was vibrant, we were in it, but something's happened, and like, honestly, I come, and I'm just not enjoying it. Like, you have to be able to talk about that. You, you come to church, and you're like, hey, I mean, I felt like I was getting connected. I'm not getting connected anymore. Like, I used to feel like I was walking with people, and I just feel like I'm not walking with people anymore. <laughs> I felt like at one point, like, when I came to know Jesus for the first time, and he freed me from all, all the baggage and bondage that I had, but I feel now, like, there's been things in my life where I just don't feel like I'm free anymore. Things that have kept us from experiencing the very present presence of God, and we need to stop. 
put on the brakes, hold still. Nothing is worthwhile unless God is here. Nothing. Like, guys, it's not worth, it's not worth just gathering, like, <laughs> at all. Like, we want him, and we want to experience his presence. We want to hunger and thirst after righteousness, because then we'll be filled, right? When I go to a Bible study that's boring, you know what I think? I'm like, there is no hunger, there is no thirst, there is no sight of God. And that's all that I want. And so, so what does it look like to commit to growing in a relationship with God and living in His very present presence? It means to never be satisfied with just showing up. It means to never be satisfied by just checking off. Oh, I read my Bible today. Oh, I prayed today. But be someone who, when you open your Bible, you go, God, I want to know you. When you sit down and pray, you're pleading on behalf of the nations. Right? You're pleading on behalf of the church. Or you're praying, God, I want to know you more. And that's what it means to be a people who commit to growing in our relationship with God. And what that looks like is something in practice that will create a church that is constantly at the state both of satisfaction and unrest. Right? We're satisfied because of what he's promised and we can live in his freedom, but we're at unrest because we want more. What does this look like, look like to be a church that does these things? Well, we can see it in the early church. We can see it in the early church that when they read the syllabus Jesus offered them, they didn't decide to procrastinate and they didn't decide everything else was more interesting. They didn't decide just to, to abandon that, do whatever they wanted, but they decided to obey Jesus. And what happened in that church was it says that they turned the world upside down. That the whole world changed. The whole world as we know it changed because, because people decided to obey the words of Jesus. Can we pledge to do that together as a church? To learn from Jesus and walk in this way? Um, I want to I offer that to you guys as I offer my, myself, and I know the elders, that we want to learn how to do this together with you guys. Um, what I, I'm not offering is for you to come and go like, hey, Daniel, you said this, and like, it's not perfect. Um, but I want to just welcome you guys um, into becoming a church the way we grow to be a people who commit to hungering more and more after Jesus. And what this will look like, guys, is when you go to your community groups and you, you pledge to walk with one another, that if it isn't perfect, you're the one who's, who's helping people remember the reason why we've gathered is Jesus. This requires us to put aside selfishness and selfish ambition and all those things. And to deeply want for ourselves and the person sitting next to you right now, what we want for them is just to know Jesus. And that's the only reason why this church should ever grow. 
is because people want him more and more and more. Pray with me, please. God, I can think of times where I've sat in a circle with, with people and just seen in their eyes that they are just there. They are fully present. Um, when the Bible is open, they, they want to hear the words that are going to come off those pages. and They want to eat them. They want to digest them. They want to speak them. Just by your mercy... Put that hunger in this church to know you, to live in your authority, to go with you to the people who feel so far away, to make disciples, inviting people to join in following Jesus. to baptize people who are coming to know him and celebrate with them. That we will teach one another and be willing to be taught. That we be a people that just enjoy your presence. I pray that this will just excite the people here to go, I want that, I want that so badly. And we need you to help us along the whole way. God, we love you. We want you. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.